Just having my assistant give me my coffee. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Counter Culture Podcast. We are here today with... Kellen. From... Wild South. How's it going, man? It's good, dude. How are you? Good. Really good. This morning was stressful. I feel like the past two days in general have been a fucking shit show. Dude, in true Wadapalooza fashion, yeah. the rain. It started a little bit earlier this year. Obviously, last year it was cold. Got yeah. a little bit of rain, but this year it has just been an absolute nightmare setting up. Dude, I like we walked outside, and I'm like, I thought that Florida was supposed to be sunny and shit. Like, I thought Miami... Whenever you see like videos or people talking about Miami, they're always like, it's so nice here, it's sunny, it's like wet, perfect weather all year round. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? There's roosters that I'm waking up to, there's dump trucks making a ton of noise, and it's raining and overcast. And I've come to the conclusion, it don't matter if you're going one mile or 15 miles, it takes 45 minutes to get anywhere in this city. The traffic is Dude, fucking it's unreal. It's so bad. And the rain, this whole, oh, afternoon Florida shower. Yeah. Dude, it's an all-day type shower thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wait, you're from Virginia, right? Virginia Beach. Isn't it kind of like this, too, over there? I mean, Virginia Beach is pretty much like like anywhere in the south, like pretty much Virginia down to about Jacksonville, like North Florida. Um, I mean, it's it gets cold in the winter, not real bad. It's probably about 40 degrees back home right now, but it's nothing nothing terrible. It's not like Wisconsin weather? No, hell no. We just we left the day after a snowstorm, thank God. We is got that real from Wisconsin? Yeah, we're from like, do uh, you know Milwaukee? Yeah. Yeah, we're from like 20 minutes out from Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I grew I up in Milwaukee for the okay. most part. Yeah. City boy. So y'all are sad to see the games move away from there. Dude, yeah, that kind of, it is a bummer because, like, so I didn't get into CrossFit until, like, three years ago. Right. But having having something that big in, like, our state was just cool. Yeah. There's not really And much the travel else. wasn't there. Like, yeah, you could exactly. just really hop in a car and go. Yeah. We Well, so we live, like, 35, 40 minutes away, so it was an right. easy track. Yeah. yeah. And as you know, I worked with... Uh, a brand that shall not be spoken of on the podcast right now. So, yeah, it was like I got paid to go and have fun and hang right. out. Right. You know? yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. So, dude, give me a little bit of a backstory on you. What's your deal? Yeah, man. So, we uh, were Wild South. Um, we launched January 1st of uh, 2021. Yeah. Um, I was former law enforcement for 11 years, uh, canine handler. You were a cop? I was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. Nice. I loved it. And then... Uh, started falling out of love with the job. Didn't really like what I did anymore. Just about two, three years ago, just a lot of politics and a lot of bullshit going on. Was it the COVID-19? It was that mixed with just some other stuff. The BLM and, riots. Dude, it was, yeah, man. And it was, you know, all the guys we work with, you know, we all got along. All that bullshit the media was feeding us, you know, it was just all bullshit. But yet, it just kept coming down on top of us, and it just sure. got so heavy, dude. I was like, "Fuck this, man! I don't enjoy what I do anymore." Yeah. Well, so what? What made you like? What made you become a cop in the first place? How'd you fall in love with it? The goal was always go federal. I wanted like DEA or uh, U.S. Marshals, and then ended up just taking a different path, became a cop, and always wanted to be a canine handler. Yeah. Um, you know, I see that on your Instagram. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it is hands down the best job that you can have. I mean, yeah. Your dog well, get a part- best friend. Yes, yeah, so you yeah. get a best friend, and it's you know a man eating land shark. What's that? So what's that like? Do you do you know how to train dogs like that? Nah. So I, my grandfather, he used to uh, train hunting dogs. Okay. Um. So I would do a little bit way back in the day when I was a kid with him, and then grew up with dogs. But being in the tactical side of things with the dog, yeah. um, so my dog he was dual purpose, so he was apprehension and explosives. So when we get them, uh, they all come from overseas. So yeah. he came from the Netherlands. 
Um, when we get them. The dogs do? Mm-hmm, all of our dogs come from overseas. Wow, okay. So, um, yeah, he came from the Netherlands, got him when he was about a year old. I didn't know anything that um, – any of the training that came for the canine side of things. So they put us through a four month school and it's just you and the dog eight hours a day training them up. That's crazy. Was it tough? Yeah, dude. I mean, it was hot. It was tough. I went through February. I didn't end up getting out until I think it was September. Reason being my first dog ended up getting going back to the vendor. Um, you know, he would bite the decoy, but then he would just pop off and frolic in the fields. And in this situation, you can't have that, man. Like, you need your dog to stay in the fight the entire time. He's just celebrating that he got the yeah, victory, I mean, he got the corporate. Yeah. F- phenomenal tracker, but when it came time to fight and get down, he was just not having it. So that's yeah. that's something that sucks. You know, you get a bond in, you're two months in with this dog, and you're like, hey, your dog's not going to work out. So then you leave, got to wait for another shipment to come in, yeah. find another dog, and hope this one works. My second dog ended up working out pretty well. What, like, what was the interest in becoming a fed? I don't know. I don't I think back in the day, you know, it's like all like the cool stuff you see on TV uh, with the feds. And now being on the inside of the cop and working with the feds, it's actually flipped. Like, you know, if you want the adrenaline rushes, if you want the high speed chases, the kicking indoors, going local law enforcement, it's going to be your way to go. The feds, they're pushing paper. You know, they'll actually build the case against somebody. And then when it's time to go get that person, they're coming knocking on our door, giving us the paperwork saying, hey, we got this guy. He's one for X, X, and X. Go get him. Oh, so you don't actually get the action? No, no. So what was, like, one of the craziest things that you got to actually be a part of while being a cop? Dude, there's so many. I mean, so we work with the U.S. Marshals a lot and our Fugitive Task Force. So we're going after guys who have, you know, fled their state, wanted for murder, robbery, rape. um, The kid diddlers out there, you know, any any of those guys. The worst of the worst. Yeah, so seeing a dog. Uh, get some of those guys. That was really gratifying. Did but... you like tell them to go straight for the nuts? Can you tell them to do that? <laughs> so uh, people don't know this, but a dog's gonna grab what they want. So pretty much what you're <laughs> offering at that time, whether it's the front and the back, we do yeah. train them to target large muscle groups because we don't want these dogs to tear somebody up. Yeah. So we do do target, you know, thighs, arms, the back. But like I said, you know, I mean, you got people hiding in closets. It's gonna be where everything, whatever they can bite first. Whatever's available. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen that movie? Um, what is it called? It's called like Runaways or something. I don't know. It's about dogs. It's a comedy that just came uh, out. I didn't actually get to see it, but my buddy showed me like some clips of it and the premise of it. This guy gets a dog okay. and then he like, it like ruins his relationship with his girlfriend. So he kicks the dogs out. He get, what's that called? The dog, a stray dog. He makes it a stray dog basically. And so he gangs up with a bunch of other dogs. And the whole premise of the movie is for the dogs to bite off the previous owner's dick. What? That's the entire what? movie. So he shows me the end of it, and they, they like go to the house, and they're like having this fight with this person. The house starts on fire. It's super dramatic, and he finally like bites the dude's dick off. So we had, we have had, there was one instance, a guy got the tip of his dick bit off. I wasn't there for that one. It was another <laughs> nice. handler. But I was there before I went to K-9. Uh, we did get a call one time and it was a woman who was in the military and yeah. she comes home from deployment and she lived with two roommates. Okay. She comes home and hears something. It was a three-story townhouse. Hears something on the third story. So she calls us. She's like, hey, someone's broken into my house, whatever. Yeah. All right. So we get there and a canine guy came with me. I was just a normal patrol at that time. Yeah. So we're talking to her. Are you sure nobody else should be here? She was like, no. She's like, my other two roommates, they're both military. They're both deployed. Are you positive? She's like, yes. 
All right. So we go, we get the dogs. We got to do our due diligence before we go into someone's house with the dog just because we don't know who's in there. People right. lie all the time. Yeah. And we don't want to bite someone's innocent. So we're going with the dog. We're searching the first story on leash, find nothing. Go to the second story, searching, find nothing. Yeah. Go to the third story, and we're giving canine warnings just so people know hey, we're outside the door, or whatever. Nothing. The canine handler pops the door, and the dog goes in, immediately goes on the bed and tags the dude right on his inner thigh. Oh, God. And he was in there fucking his girlfriend. What? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. He sits up immediately. The handler's quick enough to get the dog off right away, and they're both just deer in headlights like, what the fuck is going on? What? Come to find out, that roommate got home early from deployment, too. Well, her and the other girl didn't get along anymore, so they didn't talk. Oh, So their leases were ending in, like, three months. Communication not there. So we were covered because we asked all the questions. She's like, look, nobody should be here. So it was just a lack of communication. But Dude. two people were right in the middle of it, and it was close on him being in the middle of the thigh. Oh, like, yeah, man. That's fucked. Yeah. So this dude this dude got bit for no reason, yeah. basically. That's yeah. crazy. No reason. What the hell? Yeah. But, I mean, it was a pitch dark room. You know, dog goes in, instantly smells that human odor, and it's a six-foot lead. So he just immediately, you know, and we see someone in there, so we're thinking, okay, yeah. you know, someone's in here breaking breaking in. Because people would hide in beds, under covers, any, I mean, in closets, behind mattresses, anything. Yeah. So, you know, we don't know at that point in time. But like I said, you know, as soon as he got bit, he was able to pull him off super quick. That's kind of, that's kind of the, so I think that cops get like too little credit yeah. for the work that they do. I grew up, I was kind of an asshole, right? Like yeah. I was a skateboarder, punk, doing, you know, all that shit. <laughs> And I hated cops until I got older, a little bit wiser, a little bit more conservative. Yeah. Um, and then I started realizing, oh, my God, dude, their fucking their job. That's Colton Mertens, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, I realized that your that job is so fucking difficult. dude. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult. And that's where people are just staring at us with these laser eyes at every single point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, now with the body cams, a lot of cops hate them. I loved them. It saved my ass more than anything. I bet. And 99% of cops, man, we're out there doing the right thing. Yeah. And they just don't get to see. Like, I always encourage people, dude, come do a ride-along. Like, come see this. And then the lack of information that we don't get from our dispatchers, like, going to a call, you know, we're getting whatever the person on the phone's calling in, Mm -hmm. and it's just such little information. That's what we're working with. Yeah. And it's also, like, you guys, like, it's, it's easy to highlight the bullshit that happens yeah. and hard to highlight, like, the good that right. does happen from it, yeah. right? So, like, when when they were talking about defunding the police, by the way, no, nothing on this podcast is off limits or anything. Yeah. So, uh, when they were talking about defunding the police, I was kind of like, are you guys fucking stupid? Like, you want to defund the police in the neighborhoods that, like, need the police the most? And that's what we saw. So, right when I left, we, we were a big city, about 850 officers fully staffed. So, we had 19 canines. Um, and... Right when I was leaving, we were upwards of 200 stolen autos a month, and they wouldn't let us chase them anymore. So people get mad, their cars are getting stolen. We would see it, and the minute we light it up, if they take off, we had we had to terminate. Yeah. And recently, I was talking to a buddy of mine. Someone on city council recently had their car stolen. Well, if we see it, you ain't getting it back. Oh, now you want us to chase it. So yeah. city council just passed the thing. Now they're letting us pursue again. Because it's happening to them. It is now bled into their neighborhoods. These rich neighborhoods, their cars are getting broken into. Houses are getting broken yeah. into. And every, I think, so I told you we were about 850 fully staffed. Yep. I think right now we're just under 500. And our canine units, I think about eight or nine dogs. So everyone's leaving. Yeah. And, it, and it, at that point, 
I wasn't worried about getting killed. I was worried about going to jail for doing the right thing. Yeah. That's like, dude, I got to get out of here, man. Well, dude, in like places like Chicago and even Milwaukee a little bit, <laughs> it's happening where they you can't you cannot arrest somebody if they haven't stolen over a thousand dollars worth of yeah. merchandise. Yeah, dude, it's horrible. We live in a clown world, dude. Yes. Like yes. if somebody came to my gym, I'm fucking them up. And I saw a lot of proactive care. cops stop being proactive. Yeah. You know, like we would go out there, beat the bushes. Like if I pulled you over, I was looking for dope, or I was looking for guns. That was it. If you didn't have either of them, I'm letting you go. I didn't ride a single traffic ticket in like my last six years working. It's like I was actually trying to find the good stuff, and now no one's doing that anymore. So dope. What's dope? Like crack meth just not weed general dude weed I, I could care less about weed yeah and then, i mean and with all these new laws like they just changed it now it would give me an end to get in the car yeah. like if i smelled it but the smell of it alone you can't even search somebody's car or vehicle anymore for that oh really yeah you can't do that a lot of my cop friends like i have some friends who are state patrol or i had a friend have a friend who is state patrol in indiana he's like he used to you know, dabble. Yeah. And so he's like, if I smell weed in the car, I'm just going to tell the person to throw it out the window. I'm not exactly. even writing them a ticket. Yeah, most of the time I would take the weed and I would drive down the road and just throw it out the window. I wouldn't yeah. write him a ticket. But like I said, I would I would at least be able to get into the car. And that's when I would find the heroin and the fentanyl. Obviously, I mean, that's a whole thing going on. People dying left and right. So getting the fentanyl off the streets, the heroin. So that was the main thing I was trying yeah. to get. Was there a lot of that in Oh, Virginia but dude, Beach? it was unreal. Once you start carrying Narcan, I mean, these, these, these kids knew, hey, if I shoot up and I OD, cops are just going to come. They're going to Narcan me. It's almost like incentivizing the kids. It is, but there's a flip side to that. So now, because we're so short-staffed, we're not going to your call anymore. If you OD, we're not coming because we're too busy on a robbery. We're too busy on a murder. Like, we had a body laying in the street for 12 hours right before I left because there were just no cops available to go to it. Jesus. Yeah, right in the middle of the street. Huh? An OD? No, 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 just a murder. (laughs) So is Virginia violent? Is there a lot of Norfolk was, yeah. Norfolk, at one point, we were like the fifth worst. Now, granted, it's... It's per capita. Yeah. But we have, I think, I think like 250,000, uh, 300,000 people. No, no, people. But we have, I think last year was our worst year in like 20 years. I think it was pushing 70 murders. Wow. For, for a town that small. That's yeah, wild. Yeah, it was bad. Holy crap. Well, so then what, so you, how long, you said 10 years you were a cop? Yeah, I did a little over 10. What, like, what was the final straw for you? You're like, I just can't do this anymore. So I got suspended for my last dog bite, and I was like, I did nothing wrong. And I was like, dude, like, this is where it's like, now I'm out here doing my job, and I'm doing it in a safe manner. And when I get suspended for 40 hours, that's a whole week paycheck that I don't get. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm out. So that that's when the wheels started turning about, I don't love what I do anymore. And I was like, what do I love doing? Yeah. Um, and it was what also. What happened with the dog bite? So it was a uh, woman. She worked uh, night shift. So she got off her shift, went to the grocery store came home it was like midnight i think so she's unloading her groceries takes the first load in leaves her front door open goes back out gets more goes back in and and a strange it was either ex or husband is now in there and he's got a gun pointed at her face he's like i'm gonna fucking blow your head off you know you crazy bitch whatever you know why right so she so she hauls ass runs down the street goes to a neighbor's house calls us so we get there his car's still outside she comes back to the scene we're talking to her i was like do you want to press charges absolutely is he known to be violent she was like yes he is did you see the gun? She was like, yes, it was in my face. And he also had a holster on his hip. Okay, who else is in the house? She's like, nobody. I was like, all right, well, this time we got a barricade situation. I was like, no one else is inside. No one's in danger. Unfortunately, we got to call the SWAT team. Commanding officer comes out. I was like, SWAT team's busy. They're not coming. So he's like, take the dog, take a shield, go inside. Okay. So I was like, look, this is a deadly situation. So you I'm- were told to do this. Yes. So it's like, go inside, get this guy. So at this point, it's a hide and seek of a dude that's inside armed. Where's he at? 
So I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to be at the back of the train. We have about a four-man stack. I was like, let's go in with the shield. We're going to clear this thing. Like, time's on our side. We'll be methodical about it. So we go in. <coughs> Very small house, probably about 1,200 square feet. So I get four canine warnings at the door before we make entry. You know, police with a canine, come out now. I'm going to send the dog. You're going to get bit. They go in. They clear the living room, clear the kitchen. It's all right there. Don't see anything. All right, let's move down the hall. We've got, like, two bedrooms on the right, one bedroom on the left. Before we make entry down the hallway, give four more canine warnings. Police with a canine come out now. It sounds like too many warnings. I'm going to send the dog, going to get bit. It's a CYA thing at this point, especially yeah. in the in the, in the the society we were living in. We're trying to cover all aspects of it. So, yeah. four more warnings. They go down the hallway, clearing it. They get to the back bedroom. It's pitch dark. Get to the back bedroom. They shine a light in there, and there's a bed. And there's a guy laying on the bed in a perfect pencil on top of the covers. Like, very just, like, straight. Almost like as a kid going off a diving board and a pencil in yeah, water. That's what? what he was laying like. Nobody sleeps like that. Yeah. Dude was in there probably about 10 minutes. So I know he's not sleeping. He's pretending to be asleep. Um, I can see his right hip. I don't see the holster. I can't see his left. And she said it was on his left. So I'm like, all right, I can see this hand. I can see this hand, but I can't see this hip. So I'm like, all right, get four more canine warnings. Call the guy by name. Neighbor comes out afterwards. Hear the commotion. Warnings were so loud, the neighbor heard them next door. Wow. Okay? So, give warnings. The job's inherently dangerous. I was like, he knows we're here. So, that's already gone. So, I was like, all right. Told some guy, hey, look, you got lethal. I'm going to walk around until I can get a clear view of both hands and both hips. Soon as I broke the plane of the bed, I saw the holster. was, like, bulged up under his shirt. So, I sent the dog. The dog hops up. He tags him right on the inner thigh, and the fight's on. Dude comes out of his fake sleep. It took my dog on his thigh, a guy my size, another cop. About 30 seconds of fighting this dude. We get him in custody. Um, no problems. Walk him out in handcuffs. Everything's good to go. So they go back, look at the body cam footage, all that, and they said, I've been a sleeping black man. They said what? I've been a sleeping black man. What's that? Oh, you bit a sleeping black man? Yes. Oh my God! What the yes. fuck? Seriously? The guy that got bit, he didn't complain. Yeah. The woman who called the cops on on him thanked us up and down. Yeah. So no cops got hurt. He got a few puncture wounds in his thigh. Yeah. Nothing major. He didn't go home. He's alive. He's safe, and everything's done. So it's like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. The dude's in there. He's got a gun. I, I try calling the SWAT team. I gave yeah. nine canine warnings by name. Yeah. It's like, at what point do you want me to do? I was like, okay, so let's flip the script. If I hadn't used my dog and I'd gone hands-on and he had pulled a gun and killed one of us, now you'd be asking me, why didn't I use my dog? Right? So that's when I was like, okay, so I immediately grieved it. We have the chance to grieve it. Grieved it. The chief dropped it from 40 hours down to eight, like that. So that tells me right there, okay, I didn't do anything wrong. If you're yeah. dropping it, he wouldn't drop the last eight hours because he would swallow his pride. Which Dude. that chief got forced out about six months later. So he's now gone. That sounds like a good thing, right? Oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. But so, and it was still, and he, he told me face to face, he was like, if you take this grievance any further, I'm transferring you out of canine, your dogs get taken away, and I'm out. So I've been with my dog at six years at this point. So we're best friends. So I was like, dude, fuck this, man. Wheels started turning. I was like, I got some in the works. I'm going to grow the company for about two years, work my dog for two more years. Um, by the way, it took him two years to do an investigation on this whole bike. Two years. So they left me on the street working a dog for two years, even though it was such a violent individual. Dude, you have a body cam, too. Dude, it makes no sense. Oh, no, the body cam footage got lost. 
I'm going to tell you that. Lost? Lost. So we don't have access as an officer to delete it because yeah. people can get rid of stuff all the time. So my lieutenant saw it. Um, my uh, captain saw it. My sergeant saw it. Everybody saw it. But internal investigations didn't review it for like another like four or five months. Somewhere it got lost. Uh-huh. But like I said, as officers, we don't have because I called gun. If you ever see a gun in a situation like that, before I sent the dog, I was like, gun, let everyone else in the room know, sent the dog up. The next officer, he was standing at the doorway, so he couldn't hear me from his body cam. So, well, you never called gun. I was like, I did, but it was on my body camera, which dude. everyone saw but you guys. Yeah, dude, it was a whole fucking mess. I feel like in the first place, I mean, I get that you guys have to be careful, but yeah. nine warnings? Nine, like, dude. That seems like excessive. Yeah. And they're like, why didn't you go hands-on with the guy first? I'm not going hands-on with a dude with a gun. Yeah, no. I'm sorry, but I'm not fucking Somebody's stupid. Somebody's going to die. They're like, well, he was passive. I'm like, all right. I got a guy who just shot somebody, right? Now they're standing in the middle of the street. And a gun, they're just pointing it, holding it by the side, not pointing at anyone. Mm-hmm. That's passive, right? You can go hands-on with that dude? I'm not. Hell no. I'm, and, and I'm damn sure not going to tell somebody else no. to go fucking hands-on with them. No, you want to go home to your family. At that point, I'm the leader of the situation. All these dudes are under me, and I'm going to make sure everyone goes home that night, in which everybody did. That's a crazy story. Yeah, man. That's nuts that you got suspended for some really dumb yeah, shit Yeah, dude. Like that. And so it was, it was at that point, like, on the force, you know, one night a good buddy of mine got killed so he Sorry got yeah so you know it was he got shot and killed in front of me and i lost my dad when i was 25 so going it's almost a blessing and a curse at the same time but you know like you always hear people talk about like live life like it can be taken any minute from you yeah. like there is no tomorrow and i get that man like people say it a lot but when it actually happens in front of you dude it puts a whole nother perspective on your life because in roll call the night my buddy was killed he just bought a camper a fifth wheel he was going camping with his kids he had three kids about ages i think at that time like three five and six or seven three young kids just bought a camper sitting in roll call he's super excited about it uh we went out we were doing <clears throat> beating the bushes doing a little sting getting some drugs off people he was like hey <coughs> he either got some crack or some weed he was like hey i'm gonna go eat with my wife I'm going to go vouch for these drugs. We'll get back out and get after it. Cool. Took the drugs, went, ate with his wife. That time, a dude was going around the city, shooting random, um, just driving down the street, shooting a gun out the window. He had actually driven by another car, shot an innocent kid, just left a high school graduation party. Nobody had found this kid yet, but he shot a kid, killed him. Uh, He's in the the media and hit a tree. Anyways, Brian had just finished eating with his family. He's back at the station. The dude, they run the plates on the tag. The plates are right across the street. Brian goes across the street gets out of his car the dude's waiting for him in his front uh door with an ar smokes brian straight through his vest they were armor piercing rounds we're one of the first ones to get there so i'm standing over brian my partner's ripping his vest off giving him chest compression but he ended up dying right there so it's like being in roll call three hours earlier and then now he's laying dead in the fucking street it's like dude like that he was supposed to camp in that weekend dude so between the dog bite all the death that i'd seen over the 10 years it's like dude you, there really is no tomorrow. I don't love what I do anymore. So it was like, what do I love doing, man? I was like, I love fitness and I love dogs. It's like, how can I combine that? Mm-hmm. So just started dating a girl, hollered at her. I was like, look, I'm starting a clothing company. You want to be a part of it or not? She was like, yeah, sure. So I was like, look, you design the women's stuff. We'll design the men's stuff. And we also, the way the dogs got incorporated, we had a canine shot and killed in 2016. Okay. So our dogs didn't have any bulletproof vests. Um, it was another crazy individual. Long standoff. Guy comes out, send a dog on him. He shoots, kills our dog. Buddy of mine shot that dude. We sent another dog. Guy ended up dying. But um, a guy from uh, SEAL teams, retired guy, he had three dogs killed while during his uh, during his career. 
he started asking questions like, why do your dogs not have vests? Our department's too cheap. They're $2,500 a pop. They'll invest $20,000 in a dog. But I didn't even know they made bulletproof vests for dogs. Yeah, man. How so, we good? Yeah, we're good. Um, so he, uh, this guy, amazing guy, Jimmy Hatch, um, SEAL Team 6 guy. He starts asking questions. Why was why do your dogs not have vests? Because they took the vet report from our dog that got killed and said, had he been wearing a vest where he got shot, he, poss- he possibly would have lived. So there was a smaller um, incident where one of our dogs needed surgery and the department would pay for it. So Jimmy started Spike's Canine Fund, named after one of his dogs. <clears throat> Sold T-shirts, raised money, got the money to do the, do the surgery. So when our dog got killed, he's like, all right, this is out of control. So he started the Krieger campaign. Now, Spike started in 2016. They've outfitted over 1,100 dogs nationwide, all free. Um, and my dog is one of the first ones to get a vest from Jimmy. That's dope. So my dog had, had his vest the entire career. So I was like, that's what we're going to give back to. So a portion of every sale from yeah. us goes back to outfitting dogs with these South. vests. Yeah, man. That's dope. Yeah, that's so, really cool. you know, we're still in the community. I love the guys. I love working a dog. I miss it every day. But the politics and the bullshit, it's just not worth it. And I'm so much more happier now. I'm a little more stressed. Yeah. You know, running your own thing, but but life is just so much better. The reward is way better, oh, too, dude, right? It's unreal. Something that you said that really resonates with me, too, is like you said that when you see death, that you really start, like it puts into perspective that there really is no yeah. tomorrow. Something that I say often to like all of, like, because I train a lot of high school kids and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I tell them, I'm like, everybody knows that they're going to die right. someday, right? But like, we all have trouble putting it into perspective that we're gonna die. Yeah. You know, because we we live this life, we're living for today, we do degenerate shit or whatever, so we have instant gratification. So it makes it seem like this is just gonna go forever. Right. Then one day you turn 30 years old. Yeah. And you're like, I was just 18 yesterday. And then one day you're gonna turn 50. You're gonna be like, I was 30 years old. And so when I was able to put that into perspective, I've I've seen not the same way you have, but like a lot of people have passed away in my life too. And one of the last ones, I was just like, dude, yeah, this is this is not forever. Yeah. Like, people really die. Yeah. And it can be whenever. And uh, so I've tried to live my life that way, too. And not just because of seeing people die, but I had, like, an existential crisis, too, one day where I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to fucking die someday. Yeah. I better, I better start, like, hustling and doing exactly what I want because you get one shot here. I'm, I'm a Christian guy, so I don't believe yeah. that you get reincarnated. No. You know? So I'm like, you get one shot. And that's it. Yeah. And I want to maximize it every day, and that's however what, I can. And, like, I see so many people, especially cops, man, they work for such a shitty retirement, and they're all miserable as fuck. Yeah. And it's like, why are y'all sitting here? And so many of them that I work with are like, oh, well, you know, I'm too old to start over. It's like, dude, I didn't start this company until I was 35 years old. How like, old I put all my – I'm 37. 37? Uh, yeah, 37. Okay. So um, I'll be 38 this year. So it's like, dude, like I put all my eggs in one basket, but I'm like, dude, I'm still young. Yeah. Like I've got so much time and it's, and I didn't have a business degree. I had a criminal justice degree. I didn't know the first fucking thing. Yeah. Podcasts, YouTube, mm-hmm. and a lot of failures, you know, it's just gotten us to where we are. They, we, we blown a few thousand dollars on some dumb shit yeah. that I now know. Yeah. But it's like without taking that jump or taking that risk. And some people like, dude, they're super happy making 50 grand a year, which is totally fine. Yeah. I just wasn't. And it's just like, dude, like I want to go, like had I never done it it would have just killed me and i actually got a fed job so the day that i quit that month i got hired by ncis i didn't want it but i threw my ad in there one time so now i was like fuck i just quit to run the company my fed dream job is there not with who i wanted but it's there 
So I was like, nah, I'm gonna turn it down. And this was a cushy six-figure salary. Dude, yeah. in five years, I would've been making about 130, $140,000. And I was crazy. like, no, dude, because Wild South was flourishing. And I was like, dude, if I quit now, I'm never gonna know and I'm gonna beat myself, man. Yeah, dude, because to be honest, if you have the degree, you can always go back too, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. And there's always, regardless of if you have a degree or not, Regardless of if you have a degree or not, there's always jobs. Yes, there's, dude, there's always stuff. Ones. I mean, dude, there, I mean, dog training, the amount of people coming up, hey, we train my dog. It's like, I, I'm kind of burnt out of the time, yeah. but that's something I'd love to get back into down the road is training dogs. Yeah, 100%, dude. Um, the failure thing too, right? Like there's, you have to go through the failures and you're never too old to like start living your dream or no. to start, you know, chasing your passion. I mean, I, I've done, I was a trainer at another gym. I was on my way to make my first ever six figure year. I was gonna just do like, I think 107 105 somewhere around yeah. there and then the opportunity to open a gym came i was like all right fuck it i'm gonna open gym now i'm closing my gym to chase the podcast yeah first time i ever announced that but your, your show won't go up for a little bit but so yeah it's just not that the gym failed or anything but it's like sometimes you gotta try things to see yeah. if it's really where you want to put your eggs right and, and then and then pivot yeah, like, exactly. like if you don't yeah. like it just make a move to it you know exactly my thing has always been content that's all that i've ever wanted to do and so now I'm like, okay, this is working out pretty good. I'm gonna take the full leap. I went from six figures to like literally, I cut my my income more than it in half so I could start the gym. Yeah. And now I'm doing it again. Yeah. You know, just to do the podcast. It's scary. But it's scary. But I don't fucking care. Yeah. It's like it, either way, money's always gonna be there. I'm always gonna figure out how to make money. Right. I know how to make money. That's it's the easy part. It's like how do you make money doing something that's gonna fulfill you long term? Yeah. Because I don't know if you're the same way. For men, I believe that you need to be on a purpose, right? Yes. Like you gotta be chasing purpose. If you're not, then everything sucks. That's when you get depressed. That's when all these like fucking bullshit things come up. Yeah. And then for me at least, if I'm stressed, everyone is stressed yes. around me because I'm a fucking hard dude to be around when I'm not happy. Dude, ask my wife about that. Yeah. I mean, she, <clears throat> thankfully she's, uh, she's my little sugar mama right now because she's huh. still a nurse full-time so That's she's awesome. kind of supporting you know paying the mortgage paying the bills but yeah. she believes in this and she's been a phenomenal support and help you with have us. a great operation going on yeah so i mean yeah and i mean without her because when she's not at the hospital you know she's helped me and you know we're going to events but um you know having that support it helps out a little bit yeah. not having to work because i still can't pay myself yeah but i mean go, going back to the stress thing dude it's like you know, if, you, if you're going to have someone with you, it's going to be some tough times. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, same thing with my girlfriend. She's uh, she's a PA in a hospital. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, she's been there fully to support. But it's really hard, too. We'll, we'll get in the weeds of this a little bit. It's hard to find a woman yeah. that's actually, like, about it. Like right. that. I have dated other girls where, like, I want a busy or I want a successful man, blah, blah, blah. But they don't want a fucking busy man. Yes. Right? It's like, yeah. so it's, it's hard to find the a girl who's actually like on board for sure that's like okay you can't give me all your time you can't text me all the time yeah. you can't even like be home all the time she takes care we both have kids from other parents she takes care of my kid and her kid until 7 30 8 o'clock most nights because i'm fucking working <coughs> yep yeah so was that did you uh did you wait so she's the girlfriend that you were talking about earlier right so that, she's my wife now when we but, first met yeah so i mean that was even even crazier it's like hey we just met yeah I'm starting a company. Do, do you want to jump in feet first? And she was like, yeah. So How did she prove it to you that she was in for it? Just all the hours that we did, pretty much building it, setting it up. And then every weekend, I mean, we were just bootstrapping it, going to all these events up and down the East Coast. Yeah. So it's like, hey, <clears throat> we got this event in Myrtle Beach. 
cool, let's go. So yeah. it was never, oh, we got stuff to do, or no, I really don't want to go, because we've been traveling for about three years now, almost every weekend. Yeah. So there was never any complaints or anything about it. That's dope, dude. Yeah. Do you have a background in, like, graphic design? No. So dude, you just learned this all on the fly? everything was just on the fly. I'm telling yeah. you, I, that's why I don't really believe in college degrees anymore. Like, back in the day, sure. But, like, if you're going to be, like, a doctor or a lawyer, you know, a neurosurgeon or a the STEM scientist, field, yeah. yes, yes, you need degrees. Mm -hmm. But, dude, for business, it is the biggest waste of money, in my opinion, dude. There's yeah. so much free information out there. YouTube. Hey, dude, YouTube, podcast, that's where you learn. Yeah. Like, people hit me up and they'll be like, hey, I want to start a business. What would you do in this situation? And I'll tell them, be like, well, this is what I wouldn't do, yeah. you know, because I fucked this up. Yeah. So, and but that's all part. I, I like fucking it up more yeah. because then I know how not to do that you again. From Whereas if someone gives me a little blueprint, they're like, hey, do it this way. That's cool, but that first time you come to a big robot, say, shit, how do I fuck this? Right, there's you know? no problem solving yeah. there, yeah. Do you have any mentors that you call no. or talk to? No, no I have none. It's, it's literally just been trial and error on Damn. everything. Yeah, that's yeah. that's good. I Fortunately enough, I have a few mentors that I like yeah. to talk to, and I'm like, hey, what would you do in this situation? Yeah. How do I, you know? And then John, our accountant over there, he helps out a lot too with the business side of shit. How do you handle money? What can you I'll buy? I'll say we just got him on board too. You so, did? Yeah. Okay. Dude, he's, I swear to you, he's the best. He's the best. He's the people of the CrossFitters. Dude, yes. He uh, he like just, <laughs> I was super pumped. He approved us to buy a camera and a laptop last week. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So, um, yeah, dude. Anyway, how did you how did you go about building Wild South in the beginning to make it the brand that it is today? The crazy thing is, like, I didn't even really set any goals. I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, look, we didn't really set any goals. It was just pretty much don't fail, you know, because yeah. we're all so new to this. It's like, let's just try to not fail and then see where it goes. How big is your team? Just me and my wife. That is nice. it. We don't have a single. We got so a. these guys uh, are just ambassadors that come with you? No, like these dudes are just friends that are just hustling, helping us out. You know, oh, they typically good. go. We got like a core group of people. They'll go to the games with us. They'll go to Wadapalooza with us, like the real big events. I mean, dude, I mean, it's just such a blast, and yeah. especially when you're next to good people. Um, it's it's fun. Just, it's, just, dude, it's just a fun week. Dope. Yeah, so, I mean, it was like the Wilds, for all the Wild stuff, I did my career in the South. I'm from Georgia originally. And then the logo of the dog, and yeah. then just the Southern Pines when the dog's back. That's how the whole name came to be. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. I really fuck with the logo. It's cool. Yeah. So what did you do? You just like, you started the clothing brand. You decided I have to go to different events. Yeah. So I knew we didn't have any money for marketing. Like yeah. we didn't have any capital to go and advertise on Facebook or Instagram. So I was like, how do we do this? I was like, CrossFit. I was like, you know, let's just start going to these events. Were you and, into CrossFit? That was your fitness. Uh, I I had dabbled in it, but never was real big into it. Yeah. And. You know, coming to these events, like, I don't really know about the community or anything, because I do the community is so tight-knit. Like, it seems like such a big space to the outside, but once you're in it, it's very small. Yeah. So, yeah, man, we just, just started going to CrossFit events, and then one led to another and to another, and now people are, you know, calling us up, hey, we come to our event, we yeah. do this. <laughs> and it's just grown into what it is, just through all that. Hell yeah, dude, that's dope. I often say, too, that, um, so you said it the opposite way of how I would say it, that you thought that CrossFit was a big community? Yeah. I, like... I was just talking to somebody on another podcast, and I was like, I feel like CrossFitters are the only people. Oh, no, 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 no. It seems, like, really big to, so like, the outsiders. Once you're in it, it's, it's, it's very small. No, no, no. Yeah, so I think the opposite. We're, like, so, like, uh, like people in it yeah. think that it's this big thing. But, like, if you go outside of CrossFit and talk to anyone, they're like, isn't that that thing where they do the weird pull-ups? Like, so, no one knows anything I'll about agree it. with you on that. Yeah. Like, people think in the space, like, there's no one outside. That, like, it's so big. Yeah. Right? And it's, like, people from the outside looking in, they're like, 
mm, it's just CrossFit. Yeah. I'm like, guys, leave CrossFit. Nobody cares about you. Yeah. Like, and all like nobody does. Like, yes. you go to, yes. I could go to my best friend from home right now. I'm like, hey, do you know who Danny Spiegel, Pat Bellin, or Danielle Brandon is? They're going to be like, who? Never heard of them. Who the Never fuck heard is of that? Them. Yes, and they're yeah. not going to know. Yeah. You know, so that's why we're trying not to pigeonhole ourselves too much. Yeah. You know, CrossFit's been phenomenal getting into the space. Mm-hmm. It's really helped us hone in on our athletic wear and stuff. Yeah. But now, you know, I always, wanted to go back into the outdoors wear and you know there's a, like a specific canine pant that i want to make yeah you know for the guys out there working so getting into the hiking stuff that's something we want to go into yeah um you know because there is so much outside of crossfit so is that kind of the mission to grow and expand outside of this like, oh yeah i mean yeah. like we'll still be developing more athletic stuff but i mean you for like men's shorts there's only so many different styles you can come out yeah, with. True. you know you can keep coming out with colorways and patterns and mm-hmm. stuff like that it's mainly the women they're getting the new sports bras and the new leggings and the yeah. new shorts and the tops and whatever yeah so that stuff will keep coming That's but yeah true. i mean we definitely want to get into like the more like athleisure type style uh type style of clothes yeah um you know just keep seeing where it goes do you guys pull any like uh inspiration from other brands alpha elite gymshark anything like that not really because uh, at the end of the day like we're all pretty much selling the same stuff. Yeah. Like when you look at it, probably have the same manufacturers. All, I'm sure there's that. some like they won't tell you really who's working with who, but yeah. at the end of the day, you're selling the same stuff. You're selling a culture and you're selling a brand. Yeah. And it's like who who can you resonate with and who can you get to buy into y'all's mission? Yeah. You know, so <laughs> like we're not all about the dogs. Like our mission statement is take what's yours. It's what? Take what's yours. Yeah. You know, and it's about and our and our number one selling shirt, which you have, is the nobody is you shit. That's my favorite, one of my favorite shirts that I own. So when we started yeah. the company, it started off as a sticker, and yeah. my mom was like, "Typical mom, don't make that. It's gonna hurt people's feelings." I'm like, "Mom, you're looking at it all wrong. Yeah. Fuck the feelings. Like if it hurts their feelings, like we don't want to buy them stuff anyways." Yeah. But it's just <laughs> yeah. about stop looking for the handouts, man. Yeah. And there's so many people now just waiting for opportunities to land in their lap. So the whole take with tears, like, dude, go out there, create the opportunities, yeah. and take them. You don't know when they're going to present themselves, but when they do, you want to make sure that you're ready for it yeah. because you might only get that one shot. Right. Like we've had companies reach out to us be like, hey, can you do this for us? I'm like, fuck, unfortunately I can't go to this company. But I know now, now we're starting to work on those things these companies are asking us for, do certain collapses. Because like, I don't want to miss that opportunity again. Yeah. So create those opportunities and just make sure that when it does present up, dude, take it. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I don't know if it's like a generational thing, but there's definitely all those people that like, they have a lot of lip service. They talk about what they wish they could do, what they want to do. And they're like, yeah, someday this. I'm like, no, not someday ever. It's like, you have to make it happen. I'm like, yeah, some people, actually, Heather and I just talked about this, like on a car ride where we're like, I was telling her, there's so many people that just like expect this shit to happen. But like, don't realize that, yeah, some people get really lucky somehow by the grace of God. But then it's like most people, luck will come when, actually Gabe said this, he says, it's funny how the harder you work, the luckier you become. Yeah, yeah. But people just don't want to do it. That's where no. I like. I think, you know, people, there's a difference between like really wanting something and would like to have yes. something, right? Yes. And wanting something is actually having the wherewithal to like go out and reach for yeah. it. And the would like is just like, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. But I'm not actually going to go do anything I mean, it's just, whatever. It, like the the motivation that that's what gets you started yeah but you know that's bleeding people talk about all the time but like the drive and the passion and the why that's what keeps it going yeah shit gets miserable and i I feel like social media is kind of tainted society now everybody wants to be a fucking influencer everybody and you look at the big people like there's one person specifically that i think when it comes to he wants to have this big clothing brand but he's more worried about pushing content than he is about working on the clothing brand. It's like, yeah. dude, look at Andy Frizzella. He didn't say shit 
Philly's a multi-million dollar brand. Yeah. You know, hundred million dollars. Yeah, brand, yeah, dude. Yeah. Rob Bailey didn't say shit. Now he's, I mean, huge entrepreneurs. David Goggins. None of these dudes said anything until they were actually something. Yeah. And now they're starting with the podcast. They're starting with, you know, kind of giving away some of their blueprints. But nobody that actually did anything is sitting there on Instagram and be like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to no. do this. And it's like, dude, they, they actually built the shit and now they can attest to it because they're experts in their field. That's what yep. you do. Like, I rarely talk about shit behind the scenes because, like, I'm not an expert. Right. You know? Down the road, sure, I would love to right. mentor and help other people. Yeah, they work on the brand. They work on, like, the actual, like, innards yes. of the thing yeah. instead of just, like, trying to put... There's a lot of people, too, right? They think that that is working on the brand and that's, like, for me... Working on the brand is like working on yourself. So if you're going to promote hustle culture, you better fucking be yeah. able to hustle yourself. Yes. There's a lot of people that will put that front up on Instagram. Right. And then you look at their life and it's a fucking train wreck. Yes. It's a mess. And like like content is king. Like, yes, yes, you do need to be pushing on social media. You do need to be influencing people for all this. But get someone to do that for you. Yeah. Have someone create that content. Because mm-hmm. you need to be worried about shit behind the scenes. Absolutely. Because you see all the stuff people are pushing for some brands. You're like, it looks great, but there's nothing there. Right. So, I agree, man. I agree. Well, hey, is there anything that you want people to know about Wild South? Not, man. I mean, I, I, uh, I think we covered it. It's, it's pretty much just go out there, you know, get what you want. Like, if it's anything, you're not too old to do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not old by any means. I feel a little old, but it's like, dude, just like start. Yeah. Just start. Stop thinking about it and go out there. Formulated plan. Don't worry about the logo. Don't worry about the name. Because yeah. I guarantee you, you're going to hone in on a name. Be like, this is a fucking sweet name. Yeah. And that website's taken. Yeah. Or that Instagram handle's taken. Yeah. Just build the backside. Worry about the name of the logo later. Just fucking send it. I love that. Yeah. Stars don't need to be aligned. Yeah. You don't need to have the perfect outline for everything. Just do it. No, yeah. Well, I was like, when are we going to launch? And I was like, I don't know. You know what? Fuck it. January 1st. New year. New brand. Send it. We weren't ready, but I set the date, sent it, and you know, you learn, you learn as you go. Hell yeah, dude. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show, yeah, telling your story, Thanks and for having giving me. us a little bit of uh, Wild South. Yeah. And uh, like, subscribe, buy some shit from Wild South. Maybe he'll put a code and I can put it in the description. Yeah, man. For a little discount. For sure. And then, uh, yeah, like this reel, like everything, and nobody owes you shit. You heard it here first. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you. Yeah, man.